Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. We are in the Books of Wisdom. If you've been here this summer, if you've been watching us on YouTube or whatever, we're in the Books of Wisdom. We got there because we looked at the staff, oh, I don't know, two, three years ago. We said, wow, we are a young staff. And typically uh, in a church, there are folks that are a little bit older. We didn't have that on our staff. We said, we need the Books of Wisdom. And so let's, let's, let's research and study and preach and teach the Books of Wisdom. And uh, we're on our last one here, uh, which is Proverbs. Proverbs is right in the middle of your, uh, of, your, of your Bible, if you have one of those full editions, and uh, if you have one of these phones, you just click the thing that says Proverbs. Um, we always say this, if, you, if, if reading scripture is not a part of your daily routine, man, you're missing out. You really should. And listen, I'm even paid to read scripture every day, and I struggle. So it's not easy. We get it, okay? We get it. It's not easy. Uh, neither is exercise, right? But it's a good thing. And so... Uh, one easy way to start scripture reading is grab the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, typically 31 days in a month. Find the day that you're at, grab that chapter, and read it. We, we, uh, we say a, a, a proverb a day keeps the fool away. All right, Michael, you got that one down. You guys, if you come in here, you should know that one. A proverb a day keeps the fool away. And then I typically say, if you don't think you're a fool, ask your spouse. <laughs> if you still don't think you're a fool, ask your teenage children. Oh, I heard a amen on that one. So here we are today, and as you saw, I grabbed scriptures from around the Bible, not just Proverbs, but we're in Proverbs 19. We've been going through a chapter of Proverbs. I pulled out one verse out of here because this verse has been, uh, or this saying has been repeated a lot in Proverbs, actually repeated 19 times where it says, to fear the Lord. And fearing the Lord comes with all kinds of benefits. It leads to knowledge, it leads to wisdom, it leads to life, it leads to peace, it leads to fighting against sin, it leads to all kinds of good things. But if you think about our culture today, when you fear something, that doesn't sound like a positive, right? But you know what? We are uniquely attracted to fear, aren't we? There's a thing called Shark Week right? There's obviously fear is, is, is an emotion that we either all experience, it, it is something we all experience, and some of us even enjoy. Obviously there's horror films and some people just like to be afraid. But when we talk about the word fear, uh, I, I kind of like today for you to think about two different types of fear. There, there, there's, I guess I'll call it natural fear, fear that's here on earth, and then there's supernatural fear, or spiritual fear, okay? So I'm gonna break those kind of two down. To get you to understand when the Bible says to fear God or fear the Lord, it says that a lot. Now, let's look at natural fear. Psychologists have broken down this into what they call the fear cycle. And fear is a good thing. Let me show you by the fear cycle, the healthy fear cycle, there's an unhealthy fear cycle. But the healthy fear cycle, that's a good thing. Number one, stimulus. Stimulus. There is a chemical that's released in your brain when something makes you afraid. 
right? If you are a hiker and you are hiking along and you look up and there's a bear, a 250-pound black bear standing in the trail, there's a hormone that's going to be released in your, in your head. There just is. Even if you're like, I know statistics tell me that black bears are okay. They're like just big overgrown squirrels. You can, you can, tell, you all, you can tell yourself all these things, but cortisol is going to be released in your brain, and you're going to have this butterfly. Or if you don't, you mean, maybe you need to go get checked, actually. If this doesn't happen to you, if you've been in the woods, you need to go get checked. So this, so then this is called the fear response, the psychologist calls it. Then we have what we call the fight or flight activated, okay? So in a black bear situation, right, you are supposed to fight. That's crazy, I know. Everyone's like, are you crazy? But no, in a black bear, you're supposed to get big, right? In bears, there's a saying, black, fight back, brown, get down, white, good night. That's a saying among when you meet bears in the wild. If you meet a black one, you fight back. You meet a brown one, get down, play dead. You meet a white one, you're going to go see your maker. That's how it goes. So fight or flight is, is activated. Remember, we're on the healthy cycle. Danger is averted or avoided is the next part. Then learning reinforcement to avoid similar dangers in the future. And the cycle is complete. Fear is a good thing. Here's an unhealthy cycle. This is when fear is not a good thing. Stimulate, you know, that, that, that hormone released in your brain. The fear response, we're on the same cycle here. The fight or flight comes. Then you dwell on it. You do not complete the averting or avoiding danger. You do not complete the learning for the reinforcement. You don't complete that. You actually go back to the beginning and more chemicals are released in your brain, and now you're on this crazy roller coaster of it not completing, right? And we've all been there. It's called a panic attack, an anxiety attack, right? And so when it comes to fear, um, let me just tell you uh, an example in my own life. So I, I I've been talking about this a little bit this summer because this is what I'm going through. I know uh, it's a midlife thing. A lot of you are just going to laugh at me. Other you will be like, scratch your head because you're 30. But I'm in, in my 40s now, and I've had my blood work done, and my doctors used some numbers that they didn't like, and they used some language that they didn't like, and I used some language that I didn't like, and then I joined all the rest of you and have got on a cholesterol pill. Um, but before I knew my numbers, I was... I was told by a dentist that, hey, you really ought to go get your numbers checked. Your blood pressure's not so great. I didn't think anything much about it and then until someone told me, oh, did you know so-and-so, they passed away of a heart attack in their 40s. Oh, you know what? I just heard of someone in their 38 had a heart attack. And all of a sudden, have you ever noticed when you start thinking about something, you hear it everywhere? And I was on this unhealthy cycle of like, oh, my word. What's that in my left arm? Oh my goodness, what's that in my chest? Oh my goodness. And I was on this, right? I was getting cortisol jumped into my brain. I was thinking about the possibilities of having a heart attack at a young age because it runs in my family. And then I would get in this fight or flight pattern. And instead of doing something about it, I would then just say, oh, well, no, it's not that. And I would cycle in that. But then the healthy response is, okay, no, I'm going to schedule an appointment with my doctor I'm going to get blood work done for the first time in my life, and I'm going to shed light on what I don't know. 
because the unknown is what scares me. So we're going to shed light, even though I'm worried that the numbers are going to be bad, which they were. Um, and uh, I love my doctor. He, he gave me the greatest compliment. Aren't doctors great at compliments? They're just so good. He said, you're just an average, a little overweight 40-year-old. <laughs> like, I want to get that on a t-shirt. I'm just an average, a little overweight 40-year-old. I told that to someone. They said, yeah, wait till your doctor says you're just an average, a little overweight 60-year-old. That day's coming. So there's this cycle. And I was able to get off this cycle by going to my doctor, getting my numbers, and doing something about it. Now, I would like to bring this into the spiritual world. This is the natural fear cycle. And you know what I've noticed about myself? There's been many a times, fear is good. Fear is good. Because fear actually is a deep, healthy respect for something. Okay? When you, when you complete that cycle, it's a deep, I have a respect for health. I have a respect for the doctors. I have a respect for the medical world. Right? But if I was to just sit there in the unknown and spin around, that's not a respect. That, that's just staying on that anxiety wheel and not coming off. That's just not, that's just, the Bible actually calls that foolish. Okay? When you go swimming af, in the ocean after watching Shark Week, you have a respect a deep respect. And I don't know if it's healthy sometimes, but it's a respect. And that's essentially what fear is. And I'm finding in my own life, right? I'm now in my middle age. I've had a few times where I've attempted weight loss and I've done a pretty good job in about six month periods. I don't know about you, but they're, amen, amen. And they're usually between like August and December. I usually do pretty good. If, if, if ever I have a weight loss journey, it's, that seems to be the months. And then that thing called Christmas comes and I just fall off the man wagon. And uh, I don't know if you're like me in that. But what I have noticed about myself in this routine that I find myself in this summer, I feel like it's different. Because my motivating factors when I was losing weight earlier was to feel better. It's not a bad one. But there was a t-shirt I saw once that said, a margarita and nachos feels better than skinny. Have you seen that t-shirt? And I'm realizing that if I go after weight loss solely to feel better, I'm going to lose the battle. Because chicken wings feel better. They just do than, you know, celery and a hike. <laughs> you know, you don't come home from a hike and reward yourself with ants on a log. Just don't. And so what I'm noticing about myself is that fear and a healthy, deep respect for health. A deep respect, a healthy, deep respect. Now, an unhealthy fear of health is, is not, that's what I was on before I knew. And I would have anxiety about this and I wouldn't sleep sometimes because I'd be sitting there thinking, is this my chest? Is this something else? That's unhealthy. But a healthy respect for fear of health or, or respect for health is helping me make much better decisions I'm finding in my walk than just trying to feel better. Just trying to feel better. Now, what does this all have to do with fearing God? Thanks a lot, Marcus, for bringing us on your midlife crisis, on your midlife journey. But what does this have to do with the fear of the Lord? But have you noticed that when I got on the healthy cycle of fear, I am making decisions now for my health? And this summer, the last month or two, I've been on intermittent fasting. I find it really awesome. I personally really really like it because I'm not great with self-control, 
right? And, and intermittent fasting, and I feel really, really good. And so these are some actions that have come from this healthy respect uh, for health. Fearing God is the same way. Remember I told you guys I was going to take you down this spiritual fear road versus the natural fear road? This is how supernatural fear works. We all have it. There is not one person in the 8 billion people on earth that does not experience spiritual fear. If they tell you they don't, they're lying. We all have thought about what happens to us when we die. I mean, think about it. The entire globe thought about dying in 2020. We had the same collective thought. 8 billion people. I'm, I'm going to guess in the first time in the history of the world, was there the entire globe had the similar thought. Technology has helped us do that, right? If the pandemic would have happened 100 years ago and isolated in Europe, call it the, um, the bubonic, you know, the Black Plague, I'm sure people in South America didn't hear about it until they read about it a long time later. We were all on the same. So we think about death, and this is spiritual fear. So remember I told you on the natural fear cycle, we get to the, the hormone release, and then we get to fight or flight? Think about that bear, right? I told you to fight the black bear. How many of you guys are going to stand up and go, oh, to a black bear? And how many of you are going to be like, oh, there's a black bear on the trail. Trail, 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 black bear. I'm going to guess 90% will be running with me, and I hope I'm faster than you. Right? We're going to fight. We're going to flight. I mean, some of you guys have been around bears a lot and know bears. And so you'll actually do this thing where you're like, Hoo! and you realize, well, the black bear is freaked out about me and walks away. But that's people that are either cuckoo or have been around bears a lot. And, uh, or they're both been around bears and cuckoo. Um, so this spiritual, I'm going to add another one. There is fight. And we all know those people that are when they're met with a spiritual fear, they fight. There is no God. There's nothing after we die. If there is a God, then why is this happening? Why? You know what? If there is a God, he's not good. If there is a God, I don't want to know him. Ugh. Know anybody like that? Are you like that? I have moments like that. When we have a spiritual fear, do you put your dukes up and say, bring it on. There's no such thing as God. I'm going to fight this fear. How about flight? Well, good heavens, there's a lot of us that, that flight. I'm going to just kind of like ignore God. I'm going to pretend he's not there. I'm going to ignore the fact that maybe I might die. Maybe there's something more to this earth, right? Typically, we see this between people in 15 to 30. They're, they're flight. They're not normally fighting God. Some do. They're normally not thinking about it. Then they have a child, and all of a sudden, the thought of God comes rushing back into their head. Folk, it's crazy when you do the statistics. You have a child, and that child turns 13, the odds of you going to church goes through the roof. Seriously, folks. If you are 25, the odds of you going to church right now are pretty much zero. If you're 35 with a 12-year-old, the odds of you going to church are way higher. You need God's help to raise a teenager. Ah! There's no manual. Maybe the Bible says something, you know? This thing did not come with a return policy. <laughs> and so those people, you know, are coming back to God. 
are coming back to asking questions. There's fight or there's flight. And usually in college, when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to God, there's a flight mechanism, typically. Not always, but typically. Are you following me? You guys are tracking me right now? Now, I'm going to introduce another word that I believe is the correct response to spiritual fear. And this one, the world doesn't understand because it doesn't happen in the natural fear process. Because in the natural fear cycle, there's just two, fight or flight. But in the spiritual fear context, there's fight. We talked about that. Flight. We've seen that. And then there's follow. Follow. This is a spiritual concept. Let me explain it like this. And I have used this to analogy the fear of God before. And so if you've been here, this is an old analogy I used, but it's just I haven't found a better one. Here in town, there's a really beautiful man named uh, Mr. Pribbenow, and he's the principal. Mr. Pribbenow is a big dude, was in the military, and he command, he's got a commanding presence. He's the principal. And uh, I was at the Veterans Day Assembly. This is pre-COVID, I think, when we could get together. And um, I know a lot of these little kids. They're at church or they're at youth group, and they're a hard bunch to focus. They were in a Veterans Assembly for an hour and a half. And any time those kindergartners or those first graders or second graders started getting a little squirmy and their teacher struggled, all Mr. Pribber now had to do was walk behind the row of, of seats and stand like this. And one little head would turn and then nod the next kid. The next little head would turn. They'd nod the next one. And Mr. Pribbenow is standing behind us. Okay. We got this. He didn't see me, I don't think. He saw you. I hope he saw you. Not me. You know, you could see it. It was unbelievable. He didn't even say anything. He just walked over behind the kindergartners like this. And they're like, you know, that is fear. They know that that's the principle. They know he's a big dude. And they know he don't mess around, especially on Veterans Day, because he's a veteran, and he's a big dude. That's a healthy respect. You might say, well, that's not a relationship, though. Oh, I beg to differ. If there was a catastrophe at that school, if something bad happened in our school, do you know who every kindergartner would run to? Do you know who every second and first grader would run to? You better believe that they're running to Mr. Pribben now. And they're like, I'm gonna get behind that big dude who's a veteran who can keep me from harm, right? That's a healthy respect. That's what this is talking about. So when the Bible says, fear the Lord, don't think Shark Week. When the Bible says, fear the Lord, think of a good principle at an elementary school. You got that picture? You got it? Now, I'm going to close with this to the follow, the fear and the follow. How am I going to bridge that gap? How many of you have watched the world global renowned TV show, The Chosen? How many have seen The Chosen? Wow, well, welcome. There's like, that's crazy. You need to watch it. I at first was like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm normally not huge into Christian media. It, it's completely revolutionized my mind as far as like uh, Christian media, the effect of it. You need to join the, I don't know how many millions or billions. You need to join them. Uh, I, this will tell you how far I'm behind. I'm on season one, episode four. I just finished it. Okay, that's a couple years. I know, I know. Judge the pastor, but that's where I am. And this will help you bridge the gap. 
So in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil episode four for those who haven't seen it, but you should still watch it. In episode four, we get a glimpse into Peter. We get a glimpse into Peter's life. And Peter's life is falling apart. Now in scripture, we don't know that. That's what's so beautiful about the chosen. It kind of puts this story in Peter that we don't see in scripture, but completely could have happened. And Peter's life is falling apart. He owes taxes. He's behind on his bills. His wife hasn't seen him in weeks and is wondering if she's still going to have a home, if she still has a husband. They moved in his sick aunt to his house. And he is out of options. Do you think Peter is in a fearful place? Yes. He's in such a fearful place that the Roman soldiers who he's behind on taxes actually cut him in the ear to remind him, hey, bro, you don't pay your taxes. Next time, this night's going to go a little bit lower. And it won't be your earlobe. It's going to be your neck. That's a fearful place to be, correct? And then this crazy man, Peter has fished all night. And he's heard rumors of this crazy man. And there's this crazy man on shore teaching these people, and it's just a weird scene. Peter's super annoyed. He's probably going to prison. He might lose his life. He might not sleep with his wife again. And this is where Jesus meets him in The Chosen. Jesus doesn't give him a whole lot of great information like, hey, Peter, I know where you're at. I know what you're going through. I know how many back, back taxes you owe. But Jesus met Peter, looked him in the eye, said, will you trust me? Peter said, absolutely not. You're a weirdo. That's what I love about the chosen. It's very true. It's very honest. And then Jesus repeated himself, will you trust me? Very sarcastically, Peter's like, whatever, weirdo. Sure. And Andrew, his brother, was like, no, seriously, trust him. I'm telling you, trust him. He's like, shut up, Andrew. Didn't catch any fish. I'm going to jail. This guy's a wacko. And we're in three feet of water. And this wacko says, throw your net over the other side. And Peter looks at him like, are you smoking your breakfast? And Jesus says, no, throw your net over the other side. And he does, and he catches all of this fish to pay all of his back taxes, to pay his mortgage, to clear his financial debt, right? And you know what's so incredible? In the movie, I love this, and I think they intentionally do this, Peter left it all and followed Jesus. He left that boat full of fish, and he followed Jesus. And that's what the fear of the Lord, if it completes the cycle led by the Holy Spirit, should result in. And where are you? Because Peter had a choice. He could fight and say, Jesus, no. You have no idea what I'm going through. You don't understand. You've abandoned me. I have cancer. Or I have my, 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 my loved one died. Or, or you know, you don't understand my financial. You, you, you don't understand my spouse or my marriage. You don't get it, Jesus. That's the fight. He could have chose that. Or the flight. He could have just said, hey, weirdo, you stay on shore. You don't know what you're talking about. Pushed his boat off and gone back out into safe waters. Right? Ignoring the fact that he just was face to face with the Son of God. But Peter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, conviction, confession, humility, said, I'm going to follow you. And that when we look at that in Scripture, that is my... That is, that, that is my challenge to myself, first and foremost, and then to you. When it comes to spiritual fear, fearing the Lord, 
Are you going to choose to fight? Are you going to choose to flight? Or are you going to choose to follow? Oh, I pray that you choose to follow. I pray that I choose to follow. And I know it's not easy. I'm not necessarily in your shoes. I don't know your story. But just like if you watch episode four and season one, Jesus looked right into the eye of Peter and said, will you follow me? My prayer is that you and I, by the fear of God, by the fear of the Lord, we will choose to follow Jesus. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the side of a mountain where we can talk about fear. God, fear is just a bizarre thing, but you gave it to us. It's natural. God, help us to complete the cycle of fear. Help us to complete the cycle of fear spiritually, God, where we do have these thoughts of who am I? What happens when I die? Who's ultimately in charge? Who's in control? Who do I go to that can really actually help me with these problems that just seem too big for anything? Help us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to stop fighting, resisting, God, your love, your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, help us to stop fleeing. Give us wisdom, God, to make decisions that are, that are, are stopping ignoring you. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the wisdom to choose to follow you. And we would do it, God, in faith. When it doesn't make any sense. Or the Bible says, faith is, 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 is believing without seeing. God, help us to choose to follow you. And that the fear of the Lord would spark that movement. And that in humility we would fear you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.